Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Welcome to Radio Islam. I'm your host, Tariq Alameen, and we are broadcasting on WCEB 1450 AM, and we're streaming at WCEB1450.com. If you are new to Radio Islam, we welcome you. Thanks for tuning in. You can keep up with us by following and liking our pages on social media. You'll find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Radio Islam USA. That's at Radio Islam USA. And also take a moment to subscribe, rate, review the podcast, wherever you get yours at. You'll find us from uh, Google Play, SoundCloud, TuneIn, Apple Podcasts. You'll find us at Radio Islam USA really easy at radio islam usa and also don't forget about radioislam.com that is the destination that's where you want to be if you want to see the behind the scenes of uh, pictures um guest bios uh just keeping up with the uh just keeping up with the program right so we love to hear from you and let's stay connected so uh we've been talking about the importance of being civically engaged uh, we've, we've been talking a lot about narrative and the different ways uh, that narrative is expressed, right? Not just about the stories that we're telling or the stories uh, that others are telling about us, but really what our actions say as a part of that narrative. And we are getting closer and closer to the midterm elections. And this just seems like a great time for us to take a moment to take a look at some of the stories that are out there. Uh, and some of these things are going to be, uh, they may be infuriating, right? They, they may be nauseating. Uh, and some of these, they may be inspiring. So uh, it's, always, it's always good to take a moment to see what's going on around us. Because uh, in the, the time that we find ourselves in, it's just really easy. It's very easy for us to cordon ourselves off. Um, and I think that's just kind of the nature of life. We really get focused. We get just just kind of bogged down with taking care of ourselves and and the immediate concerns that we have. So it's good to come up for air and see what's going on around us. So uh, we want to start out today uh, in this idea of promoting civic engagement, promoting uh, being uh, being an informed citizen. Uh, to let's first start out with our president. Let's let's start out with our president with the, some remarks that he's made with regard to voting. And I understand as we're listening, we're listening to the dog whistle. Some of the things, some of the dog whistles are not really even dog whistles anymore, right? The the need to dog whistle is something that folks did before. Uh, they wanted to be able to deny having any particular uh, a racist undertones uh, or subtext to what they were saying. And they wanted to be able to say, no, I think you're just reading too much into it. Right. Uh, that that language and that method is really starting to fall by the wayside. And that is in large part due to the phenomenon that that is Trump. Uh, not to say that he is the he is the problem. But he is definitely a sign and a symptom of uh, of a segment of our population that wants to go back to being able to just to just lay it all out there, to be offensive, to to let to let folks know that they're on top and that and, and that you're on the bottom. Right. So 
So you'll hear in this clip here how Trump is he's using the <laughs> he's using the using the, the the dog whistle, but he is definitely being uh, he's a lot more forceful. Um, you you can see that there's a move away from the dog whistle. There's a move towards really just all out, uh, just all out hate speech and um so you you'll hear the dog whistle but you'll also see that it is it's, it's changing the way it's it's presented so let's take a listen this is from uh from one of his rallies like it's always a rally going on in some states democrats are even trying to give illegal immigrants the right to vote they want to give them the right to vote. And what about all of those people that are waiting in line for seven, eight, nine, ten years trying to get into our country? They don't have the right to vote. We believe that only American citizens should vote in American elections. Which is why the time has come for voter ID, like everything else. Voter ID. So we know that this has been, uh, this has been a big part of the platform uh, that the Republican Party, uh, many in the Republican Party, as we know it today, have, um, you know, they, they've staked a lot of, a lot of effort into this idea of preserving the sanctity of the vote. Uh, but we also know that this is coded language because when we think about voter ID, uh, what we, what communities of color in particular, what, what, what they see, what we see, is the same obstructions that were placed uh, in, in front of us when it was time for us, when we tried to participate in uh, in government, when we tried to participate in the uh, electoral process, and we were met with, uh, we were met with literacy tests and the grandfather clause, uh, we were met with outright, um, outright violence. You know, we were we were killed, we were terrorized, our homes, our businesses uh, were were built, uh, were burned. Excuse me. Um, we know exactly what that means and we've seen how that has manifested uh, itself today so even without even without having a voice to say that we need voter ID we've also seen that the voting apparatus itself uh, has been tampered with it continues to be tampered with so we've had counties uh, across the country where where you have uh, majority minority districts and access to those polling stations have either been, uh, those polling stations have either been um, closed down. Uh, the hours of operation have changed. Uh, they've tried to change the process with regard to early voting. Uh, you know, just a number of uh, of attempts have been made to make sure that those who wanted to uh, exercise their right to vote that they would find it difficult or impossible to do so. So this idea of having to uh, voter ID, it falls right in line with the same old and sad and tired um, uh, attempts 
that have been made to exclude minorities from from being able to vote. So uh, there was something else in this video and we didn't play it right because honestly, after a while, there's only so much that you can listen to. I mean, you hear the same things being said over and over again and everything everything that's being said is is being said without there's no proof that is ever uh, given to support any of these statements. Right. That's that's the first thing. Uh, it's just you say whatever comes into your head and you don't have to worry about being uh, you're not worried about about being fact checked. You're not worried about being uh, challenged because the, the 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 genius, the evil genius here is if you tell enough lies. Uh, often enough, then it becomes almost impossible for for people to refute them all. So even with this running tally that the Washington Post has uh, uh, has regard regarding, um, uh, you know, his factual errors, his lies, right? His lies. We're not going to call them factual errors here. We're just going to call them what they are. Uh, it still hasn't resulted in any in any retractions. It has not resulted in uh, in a change and a slowdown uh, regarding lies that we're hearing today. Right. He just continues to lie. So, but in the, in the video, which is, I was getting to in the video, in the video, he also goes on at this rally. He says, you need to have a voter ID. You need to have an ID to buy groceries or to do a whole bunch of different other things. As a matter of fact, I got to play this. I got to play. This. So hang, hang on a second. Let's, let's listen. You know, if you go out and you want to buy groceries, you need a picture on a card. You need ID. You go out and you want to buy anything. You need ID and you need your picture. In this country, the only time you don't need it, in many cases, is when you want to vote for a president, when you want to vote for a senator, when you want to vote for a governor or a congressman. Okay, so that's enough. But, but you get the point here. You get the point. And the point is, uh, I don't know where he lives, and I'm sure he doesn't do his own shopping, but I don't have to present an ID when I go uh, when I when I go to buy groceries. I don't present an ID when I'm going to Best Buy or I'm going to uh, pay for my dry cleaning. Now, of course, there are certain instances where, you know, retailers where merchants, they will have you uh, if you spend over a certain amount. You may have to show an ID. But just as a general practice, no. No, that is not the case at all. But the problem here is not so much that it's not true. It's that the folks that are at his rallies, these Americans, these citizens, I assume that they're citizens, citizens, you know, but these citizens don't care. They don't care if it's not true. And therein is the, uh, the, real, the real problem that we're facing. You can't point out lies to people who benefit from the lie, who benefit from the uh, from the construction of this alternate reality, from these alternate facts, right? Going back to Kellyanne Conway, the alternate facts that he makes up on his own. It doesn't matter. There's no there's no dialogue. There's no debate with an individual who you cannot come to common terms with regarding what is true and what is false. What are facts and what uh, what are opinions? 
And the facts are that our country, our nation, has a tarnished history when it comes to when it comes to democracy, right? We hail ourselves as a democracy, as a light for the for the free for the free world. We hail ourselves as the moral authority, right? That's how we positioned ourselves. But the truth is, the reality is anything but that. The reality is is that we have a uh, have, an, have an economy that has pushed itself towards the front of the world for the the past uh, over the past century, and it has been able to do that in large part because it had a great segment of its uh, inhabitants that were not paid for their labor. Right, that's that's a fact, and. When those people were, uh, when they were so-called freed and they were able to get into the uh, political system, into the political process, they become a part of it. The change, the, the writing was written on the wall and the same folks that are at his rallies today, I would say that their grandparents, their great grandparents, their great their ancestors were the same ones who says, no, we can't have these people voting. We can't have these people running for office. We can't have these people owning land. We can't have these people uh, having businesses. And we don't need anybody else that doesn't look like us. So whether they're Asian, right, whether they're coming from uh, from, from Mexico or from, from uh, Central America, it doesn't matter. If they're not European, then we don't want them here. Because we've enjoyed, at the very least, if we didn't enjoy actual material success, we had a psychological advantage. And for some, the psycholo psychological advantage was was enough. That was enough for them. They they didn't they didn't care that they didn't have uh, the land that they had to work two or three jobs, or or they were living in poverty. Right. But the idea was as long as there was somebody beneath them, psychologically, like it's, it's, it's like the it's like the drug addict. It's like substance abuse. Their drug, their drug of choice for 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 centuries. Was a feeling of superiority. Over the African, African-American, over the indigenous American, the Native American over the Chinese, over the Mexican, over anybody else that was that was not white, that was not of a European origin. And that was enough for them. So we see these same this these same types of people, the same type of thinking has come back and has reasserted itself. And and it's not doing it uh in terms of just the dog whistle. So what President Trump what he is doing now, when he talks about voting rights, when he talks about uh, 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 that we're looking <laughs> that the Democrats, right? And I don't have to identify myself as a Democrat. Uh, that's really not the issue. But he says the but he says the Democrats are looking to allow illegal aliens to vote when everybody, everybody who has taken the Constitution in school and any naturalized citizen would probably probably know it even better 
than many uh, uh, U.S. born citizens. That you have to be a citizen in order to vote. So what he's talking about is absolute nonsense. But the fact that it's nonsense really doesn't matter. Once again, because it feels good. It feels good to believe that what he's saying is true because it allows for all of the bias, all of the uh, the, the protectionist uh, ideas. The It reinforces this idea that you need to keep your, your fists balled up because somebody is trying to come to take what you have. And that's a dangerous, a dangerous position. And I appreciate something that I recently heard from Senator um, Kamala Harris. And as she was given an address recently, I think it was in, uh, in Iowa. And she simply said, we're better than this. We're better than this. Now, we don't all believe that. But if enough of us believe that we're better than this, that we are better than the fear mongering, the xenophobia, the, the hatred, if we're better than the dog whistling, if we're better than this idea that to be PC, to be poli uh, politically correct means that that you're not having honest dialogue. To think that this idea of pulling uh, PC culture back and really, I think that's mislabeled, right? This idea of being PC, that's not the point. The point is for us to be respectful and we mistake or we allow for um, for respectful, uh, empathetic, for dignified discourse to be labeled in a way that uh, that makes it seem as if we're not really having honest conversation. And we can have honest conversation without disparaging one another. So I believe that we are better than this. We're better than the climate that that Trump. And his acolytes, those that that follow him blindly and, and are not concerned with. Uh, they're not concerned with humanity. They're not concerned with, you know, that's I'm going off in a different direction. They're not concerned with facts. They're not concerned with facts because any facts that that you bring. They dismiss them, they'll dismiss them because they don't support their worldview. And that's a very dangerous space to be in. So really the only way that you can that you can deal with that type of a movement is to have a larger movement. And people who are uh, that are being energized right now by, you know, because because they, they're hearing this, the, the, the hatred Pied Piper, they're hearing him uh, uh, whistling his little tune, playing his little tune, and they're coming out the woodworks. All those people who have been silent, who have been listening to the dog whistle and are now and are now happy to let go of the dog whistle and just bark. So when we come back, we're going to we're going to talk about those people who are barking now. Right. They're not whistling. There's no whistling anymore. These people, they've made themselves known. And and even in that, that is a good thing. That is a good thing. I would rather know. I would rather know whether bigots. And the racist. And the uh, the xenophobes, I would rather know where they are. So if they're if they are feeling well enough to let us know, then let us take stock. Let us remember their faces, remember their names, and let's make sure that these people are never in a position where they are representing the rest of us. That they are not representing those people who understand America and the United States to be a place that has room for everybody uh, that they not represent 
people from a standpoint where they're only concerned about the interest of a few and willing to discard the concerns of the many. So when we come back, we're going to look at some folks um, who have who have who have stood up, made themselves known. And we, we have to make sure that we are keeping an eye on these folks, uh, because believe it or not, some of them are right here in Chicago. So for all you Chicago listeners, you're going to find this really interesting. So you are listening to Radio Slime on WCEV 1450 AM. We'll take a short break and we'll be back in a minute. There's a lot at stake this November. 36 governorships. 35 Senate seats. And all 435 House seats are up for election. If only 50% of voters show up, it would be the highest midterm turnout in a century. Learn more and get involved at IamAVoter.com. And don't forget to vote Tuesday, November 6th. Brought to you by I Am A Voter and the Ad Council. All right, crew, let's get her dug. Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811 Brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. You're not wired to have a response to this sound. But when we introduce a new stimulus, save the food, we're helping to stop food waste. Save the food. For tips and recipes, visit savethefood.com. Brought to you by NRDC and the Ad Council. Welcome back. Welcome back to Radio Islam. I'm your host, Tariq Alameen, and we're broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM, streaming at WCEV1450.com. Keep up with us on social media by following and liking our pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where you'll find us at Radio Islam USA. And take a moment to subscribe to the podcast. You will find us wherever you get your podcast at. We're on Google Play, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and tune in. You'll find us at Radio Islam USA. All right, so Chicago land, those who are in Chicago, um, this conversation about voting, about the, the dog whistle that is that is quickly evaporating uh, and just turning out, turning into all out howling, this should be of particular interest to you. Um, let's take a moment. Some of you may or may not know about Art Jones. Um, we're going to listen to a clip on him and then we'll, we'll talk about it when we come back from that. So, uh, let's listen in. Hi, my name is Art Jones. I'm doing a little early campaigning. Arthur Jones is running for Congress in Chicago's third district. I received over 70% of all the votes 
from the Republican Party in the March 20th primary. Once a member of the American Nazi Party who denies the Holocaust ever happened. The Jews were wailing and howling about six million Jews, six million Jews. Ridiculous. He's also one of at least eight white nationalists running for state or federal office this year, according to the Southern Poverty Law Center. He's campaigning to make Chicago's neighborhoods at least 90% white. Most white people want a white neighborhood. Do you think that black people are genetically inferior? The average IQ of a black person is about 20 points lower than the average IQ of a white person. I went to Harvard. All right, and you've got a lot of white blood in you too. Some white blood. I'm African-American. Well, that's where your intelligence is coming from, I think. You think it comes from my white side? I think so. Many locals can't believe Jones is even on the ballot. This angers me so much to see such ignorance and yeah. such hatred. That it takes all it, my... That makes it mutual. Anti-hate groups say the number of white supremacists running for office this year is higher than ever before. Many of them running on the Republican ticket. We're seeing something we've never seen before. Why do you think that is? Well, I, I think we have a tone that has been set during the campaign and the presidency of Donald Trump that some would say creates a, a sent a dog whistle, a signal uh, to these types of, of groups and individuals. Like Patrick Little, who's running against Senator Dianne Feinstein in California. Did you vote for President Trump? Of course. Why? Because he dog whistled about globalists. I didn't understand he was talking about Jews until after the election. Little attended the alt-right rally in Charlottesville and is seen here dragging and spitting on the Israeli flag. The Republican Party says it doesn't want anything to do with Little or Jones. We're a nation of communists. But the candidate supporters say this is exactly what they think will make America great again. It's not because we're racist. It's because we feel marginalized and we're the ones who are being oppressed. All right, so the Republican National All right. Committee. So as I'm listening to both of these guys talking, um, I could be upset or offended, but in reality, people like this who are letting the world know how they feel uh, and then also find other people who share the same types of uh, sentiments, these are people who are sincere and this and and that's that's a difficult thing sometimes to come to grips with that a person who believes that one race is inferior uh to another uh it's difficult to believe that somebody could really you know in 2018 still hold those types of thoughts but the reality is uh, a lot of bias uh, prejudice, ignorant uh, as it as it might be, these are things that are learned and reinforced over and over again uh, until these become uh, people's realities. And the the funny thing in this is, uh, now don't 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 get it twisted. I, I find it repulsive. Uh, but the funny thing, if I can use that word, the funny thing about this is that what we're dealing with is people's imaginary slights imaginary hurts and the thing about imaginary slights is that you can't dismiss them because they hurt as real as 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 anything that you could imagine but imaginary slight so it's critical that two things take place because the 
the result of the Trump presidency uh, and him taking the stance that he has taken when it's come to uh, when it's come to combating uh, racism, you know, uh, blatant racism. You know, go back to Charlottesville and the infamous there are very fine people on both sides. Right. On one side, you have, uh, you know, you have uh, the, 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 the white Nazis. Uh, you have people that are running around screaming. Uh, Jews are not replace us. You have folks that are using racial epithets who believe very much the same type of uh, have, have that they have the same type of thoughts that this fella has. Um, Alex, um, I'm sorry, Art Jones <laughs> almost slipped up there. Uh, Art Jones has with regard to African-Americans. When he quotes some nonsensical IQ scores. Right. The, the average African-American has an IQ that is 20 points lower than the average uh, white person. Now. We could go in on that. I mean, we could really go all in on that, uh, just deconstructing the whole fallacy around IQ testing, the cultural bias that uh, that is uh, that is embedded in. But still, those numbers makes absolutely you know, no sense. It's nonsensical. But to the point of imaginary slights of people operating from that position. Now, there's a danger in that. There's a danger, not necessarily in the bias uh, or the hate. The danger is in giving that person the keys to the car. So it's not a danger for those people who, you know, we, we have bars all throughout uh, the, the city, all throughout the country, um, you know, throughout the world. There are people who drink, you know, alcohol. Uh, the danger as it relates to other people, it's not so much just about that person drinking uh, or drinking too much. The danger is in when they, when their decisions begin to affect other people. So whether that be uh, them getting behind the wheel of a vehicle, which we know is definitely uh, a serious problem we have, um, or it turns into a person, the decisions that they make, you know, outside of that, you know, making decisions where they find themselves um, you know, doing something that they don't even remember that's going to have uh, have an, an impact on not just their life, but the life of someone else. So the danger is in putting people like this into positions where they can impact the lives of other people. All right. So that's that's the danger. The danger is not just in, in the hate or the um, having a, a certain uh, ideology. Right. Much like, you know, with alcohol or you could look at anything else. Uh, the danger becomes when our decisions begin to impact other people. So two critical things that have to take place with regard to people who have uh, who share similar thought, um, similar thoughts, similar ideologies uh, as the two fellows, two gentlemen that we heard from in that clip. First, no individual who harbors these kinds of feelings. Uh, and is willing to tell the world about it, right? Because we know there are a lot of closeted racists. There are a lot of closeted uh, uh, bigots who go through the world and when they get a chance to act on uh, that that bigot uh, bigotry or that racism, then they do so. And that's a lot that's a much more subtle uh, form of uh, bigotry and racism. And that generally comes out. We're dealing with the microaggressions. Uh, but even again, we find those people in positions of authority, positions, positions of influence. It can have a tremendously uh, negative impact on the, the quality of life of 
of other people, you know, particularly we're talking about uh, people of color, minorities, you know, any person that's marginalized. So um, for those people who are willing to tell the world about how they feel, right? They, they have these kind of feelings. They, they feel hurt. They feel marginalized, right? Even though there's nothing in the, uh, in our history, you know, as a country that, that supports that type of feeling. But the fact is they feel how they feel. All right. So these types of people should never, I repeat, never, they should never be, uh, uh, the individual who is elected to any office. They should not be elected to any office. I say it again. They should not be elected, right? This is a person that as soon as we find out this person is running for office, there has to be an immediate and a, uh, a, a vocal and dare I say, um, not physical, but there should be a forceful and emphatic rejection of that type of person seeking to uh, to be elected to represent we the people, right? Because their interest is not in representing the people. Their interest is in representing their particular ideology. So the second thing is people who understand that America's best days are in front of her and not that aren't afraid of diversity in our population and our languages and our religious practices and our personal aspirations, etc., uh, and are not willing to define our future by the mistakes of our past. These are the people that have to show up in mass, have to show up in mass and keep showing up to the polls, uh, keep showing up to ward meetings, to community meetings, to, to gatherings where people are uh, dialoguing and trying to uh, find a way to make room, find a way that we can uh, forge a, um, a a cooperative future. All right? These this is this is the time where we see the upside of the Trump presidency, right? Because it's very easy to talk about how he, you know, how his his presidency, how his rhetoric, it has uh, diminished us. It has brought out all of the the the, the hate mongers. That's the easy stuff to talk about. And there's there's a certain amount of sensationalism that's actually attached to that as well. But what we really have to think about, we have to think and look at this as an opportunity to actually make America great. Right. And I'm not going to say again. Right. Because we say America, it has never been great for all of us. It's been great for some of us. Right. But never for all of us. And I know that, you know, I'm one to bring up, uh, to remind us of our scarred history, but that reminding is not to shame my present day white American brothers and sisters. It's to remind us that even though we're not responsible for the country that we've been born into, we are most definitely accountable for the country that we leave to our children and our, grand, our grandchildren. We're all accountable for that. And accountability I tell you, uh, family, it is vastly underrated, vastly underrated. I mean, it's easy for the politicians to continue to play this game where they bounce blame off of one another. Right. It's the Republicans fault. It's the Democrats fault. It's the Republicans fault. It's the Democrats fault. Uh, and the reason that we're not winning is because we continue to fall for this 
uh, fall for this blame game. We continue to fall for this blame game. But any Pop Warner or T-ball coach will tell you that there's only one team. When you got the uniform on, you're all on the same team. You're all on the same team. And you win together or you lose together. So when I say we have to make America great, then really what we should be thinking about is we have to define we have to define greatness. And this is a time where we have, uh, and, and we hear this often, our politicians talk about, uh, particularly on the Democratic side, well, Republicans as well, but they talk about the importance of the middle class. But when we think about class in those terms, then that means that it's acceptable for us to have a lower class. It's acceptable for us to have uh, a certain amount of poverty or a certain amount of uh, disenfranchisement it becomes acceptable because the goal is not to care for those who have less the goal is simply to make it into the protected into the middle class and I think I, I find it problematic um, and of course I'm always willing to have discussions on that because I, I, I've had discussions where people you know they, they think you know thinking in terms of uh, even going back to uh, Plato about this idea the, the building of the middle, ca middle class about that being the most important um, part as far as stability is concerned for uh, as far as governance uh, is concerned. But again, my point here is really to talk about how we're going to define greatness. And I bring up the idea of, uh, of, 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 of a team, right? Okay, I I'll go here. The 85 Bears. 85 Bears. Some of you remember the 85 Bears. They are looked at as one of, as one of the all-time uh, great teams. right? We had the greatest running back of all time, Walter Payton. Now, that's some of you want to argue. That's also another conversation. But at, at the time, widely looked at as the greatest running back of all time. Walter Payton probably had more east to west yards than he did north and south. Uh, because for so long, so long he ran with uh, just a crap offensive line. Um, but he had an Olympic speedster, Willie Galt, running receiver, Dennis, uh, Dennis McKinnon. He was serviceable. But still, we had two verifiable stars, uh, but definitely, you know, first ballot, um, Hall of Famer, um, uh, the great Walter Payton, right? And then you looked on the other side of the ball on the defense, one of the most dominant defenses in the history of the game. Right, from Richard Dent, uh, Mike Singletary, Otis Wilson, Gary Fensick, Steve McMichael, uh, and of course, the Fridge. I'm not going to name everybody, but I just named quite a few of them uh, on a, a defensive side of the ball. But the 85 Bears, they epitomized that old saying that defense wins games. And if you think about a defense, that's what you hear. You hear the crowd hollering, you know, when a team's back is against the wall. Defense, 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 right? But when we think about greatness and you think about defense, I'm going to throw another old adage in the, in the mix and then pull this all, all together. There's an old saying that goes, the best defense is a good offense. The best defense is a good offense. Now, that's, that's had military applications you know, to it as well. But of course, in the sports arena, the best defense is a good offense. I think for you and I, 
for where we are right now and this idea of greatness of us being an actual united states right so was that's what we that's what we call ourselves the united states but more often than not we don't act as a single team we don't act like we're on the same team we act like we can actually win without the other and there's no team in the history if we talk if we're talking professional sports right and sports is always a metaphor for life there's no team that has won with that type of mindset where the offense hated the defense or actively tried to subvert the defense or the off you know the defense tried to subvert the offense all right i'm gonna hide your helmet all right i'm gonna i'm gonna keep your shoulder pads out or i'm gonna, I'm gonna try to hurt you in practice right there's never been a team that is one like that teams have always or the great teams the great teams have been able to pull victory out of disparate parts out of uh, out of out of differences out of different abilities and perspectives different ways of going about life but they've been able to focus and channel their energies into a collective a collective goal so I'm asking us, what is our collective goal? And what what is our what are we defending? And now, here I go. So we are defending. For me, if we're not talking about the issues that impact the the lowest among us, if we're not talking about issues that impact those who fall in those category uh, categories of, of marginalized, if we're not talking about defending the rights and the liberties of those who are denied them, then what are we defending? If, if we're not, if we're not seeing the good offense, that good offense to means that we're promoting diversity. We're promoting, we're, we're not demonizing people who speak a different language or people who pray differently, or people who live differently. We're not demonizing those people. We are realizing that the only way to make sure that those, those people who, um, who are demonized today, who are cast outside of the, um, they are cast outside of the group, they're othered. The only way for us to be united is to make sure that we are celebrating the diversity that we have. And the only way we win is to make sure that we all win. So issues like mass incarceration, issues like the prison, I'm sorry, excuse me, the school to prison pipeline, issues like universal uh, universal healthcare. And I'm going to pause on this one a bit because it really doesn't matter where you find yourself on the income spectrum because you could have I mean, you could be a multi multi-millionaire, but if you have the wrong diagnosis, that's going to require uh, extensive medical care and, and specialist and, and and all kinds of experimental treatments, uh, in different stages of medication. Your millions don't save you. You could find yourself in the poorhouse. So that's that's an issue that we should we should all be uh, concerned about. So the defense defense of, of, of issues 
that are impacting segments of the population that you, you may not you may not find yourself in those uh, communities. Issues like mass incarceration may not be something that you deal with on a personal level. But understand that a part of the team is being impacted by this. And, and, and understand that there is no one part of us winning. It's either we all win or we all lose. So if we're not defending, if we're not speaking up on issues like immigration, and and I know it's sensationalized right now, the, the, the caravan of, uh, I think it's estimated, 7,000 folks right now that are on their way to the border. It's really easy to sensationalize that and turn that into a, uh, into a, a, a far-right talking point about we are under threat, that they're coming here to take over. These 7,000 people uh, are coming here to take over. And, and, and so keep your fist balled up because they're coming to take something from you. But the reality, the reality is that this is a human, humanitarian issue it is a humanitarian crisis one of many throughout the world one of many populations throughout the world um, that have been impacted by our involvement in their uh, economy and their political uh, systems uh, in their culture and we find people looking for the same things that we kind of casually just dismiss the things that we have right here in the United States of America. So we have the the opportunity to uh, to be defenders, to be defenders of one another. First of all, let's start there. Let's be defenders of one another and make sure that this term that we see as marginalization today, that it doesn't that it doesn't exist in the same way for our children and our grandchildren. And that only happens by us being willing uh, and understanding that we're accountable. We're not responsible for what we've come into, but we are doggone sure accountable. We're accountable. And one of the biggest ways that we can show uh, exercise that accountability is to make sure that we show up at the polls that we vote so let's do the work let's not see this as doom and gloom it's very easy to talk about um, these right-wing xenophobes racists that are coming out and that are running for office that are looking to uh, to turn back the, the hands of time it's real easy to focus on them and, and, and it's right for us to pay attention, but let's focus on building, building the type of country, building the type of society that we want to pass on to our children. And there is no turning back the hands of time. You don't get to go back. The fact is the world is changing, but certainly our country is changing. The demographics are changing. The languages are changing. The religious practices are changing. But the uniform doesn't change. We all wear the same uniform, right? 
the, the, that red, white, and blue. And if it's ever going to be great, it's going to be great because we determined that it, it that it's going to be great. And the best part of that simply is just going to be us deciding that we want better, that we are better than this. We are better than this. So let's take a short break. We'll be back in a moment. This is Radio Islam on WCEV 1450 AM. The Syrian Community Network, with offices nationwide, serves its Chicago area clients from its Northside location, located at 5439 North Broadway. They provide housing, social services, education, basic human needs, and food security. The Syrian Community Network has Arabic-speaking staff and is a partner organization of the Illinois Coalition for Immigrant and Refugee Rights. You can get more info by calling area code 872-806-0141. That's area code 872-806-0141 or by visiting their website at syriancommunitynetwork.org. Sweet strawberry icing. You're in goodwill and just past that vintage denim jacket you spot. Miniature donut earrings. You lean in. Ah, that's the scent of shopping success. Because at Goodwill, every item you buy funds local job training and more. So bring home those donut earrings and bring home so much good to your community. Goodwill. Bring good home. Brought to you by Goodwill and the Ad Council. Excuse me. I know you have a nine o'clock, so I'll keep this short. I'm the business suit in the back of your closet. You wore me nearly every day before your office went, quote, casual. I used to be the CEO of your closet. Now I'm just that one intern no one ever talks to. I always thought you'd circle back with me, get granular, keep me in the pipeline. But nada, nothing. Don't you remember the McKittrick presentation? You spilled coffee on me, and I still looked amazing during the breakout talkback Q&A. So, I think it's time for me to move on. I've got a great resume, and I absolutely crush it in interviews, okay? Let's make this a clean break. Shift the paradigm. The only thing I ask is that you think outside the box here and do this. Take me to Goodwill, where I can really make a difference. Your donations to Goodwill create new jobs, training programs, and education assistance for people in your community. To find your nearest donation center, go to goodwill.org. Donate stuff. Create jobs. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Welcome back. Welcome back to Radio Islam. This is your host, Tariq Kalamine, and we're broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM, streaming at WCEV1450.com. If you are just tuning in, keep up with us on social media. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You'll find us at Radio Islam USA. That's at Radio Islam USA. And take a moment to subscribe to the podcast. You will find us wherever you get your podcast at. We're on SoundCloud, Google Play, TuneIn, Apple Podcasts. Subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. All right, we've been talking about really just the importance of being engaged. I think this is um, this is the time to be engaged. Uh, this is the time to make sure we're seeing things in the proper light, not just what's going wrong, but what can we do collectively to make things go right. Uh, and with that, these, these last uh, remaining minutes that we have uh, tonight, 
I want to bring your attention to Saturday's Sound Vision event. Um, it almost doesn't do it justice to call it a benefit dinner. Uh, and I say that because generally when we think of dinners, we think of, you know, you come out and you listen to a few speeches, you, you know, eat some food and, you know, you're, you're almost feel like you're doing, um, it's really perfunctory, right? It's very much just kind of going along with the script and that it, it, it couldn't be further from where we're at right now with what we're doing uh, at Sound Vision, uh, as many as you should know, if you've been listening to Radio Islam, you know that Radio Islam is a Sound Vision uh, production. And we've been on the air uh, for what, going on 15 years now. And along with Radio Islam, uh, Sound Vision has made a uh, made a commitment from its inception to working to help our leaders of tomorrow today working to help those people that are going to advocate uh, and stand up on behalf of uh, their fellow Americans 20 years from now, we're working to help them today. And we do that through a variety of ways. Uh, and the, the most important way, I could say, is resource development. And that's not always being out front necessarily, but it's about providing resources to service providers. Uh, and one of the biggest service providers in the Muslim community uh, is, you know, it, it happens to be our masjids, the mosques. So where we have weekend schools, we have youth groups uh, that are taking place in these uh, uh, in, in these spaces, we provide resources to those service providers, right? So we have a weekend school teachers training. Uh, some of you may not know, but less than uh, the was a report there were less than two percent of the Muslims, Muslim children in the United States attend a uh, full time Islamic school. Right. And that's not to mention talking about weekend schools or, or they attend um, uh, Sunday schools. Right. The equivalent of a Sunday school. So there's a lot of education uh, that has to take place. Um, and to quote uh, Paolo Freddi, who said that education is a political act. Right. And we think about. Think about what it means to be educated. Uh, it is to be affirmed, to have your identity affirmed, to understand uh, purpose, understand community, understand your relationship with the creator and your relationship with your fellow human being. And, uh, and, and this is where our children, they go to weekend schools, uh, not just to learn uh, Quran, not just to learn, the, uh, learn about the prophet, peace and prayers be upon him, but they go learning uh, and understanding that they have a role to play. They learn about themselves. They learn, they learn to value themselves, learn to, to value their Muslim American identity. And however that uh, parses itself out, whether they are uh, South Asian, whether they're African American, whether they are Palestinian, whether they're uh, uh, Sudanese, uh, just go down the list. Wherever they're from, they, they learn in these spaces to, 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 to understand the value that they have. So we, we, we have weekend school trainings that we offer, right? We help those people that spend the time with our children to build them up, to get them ready to go out and to contribute, to make the world a better place, to leave it better than they found it. We have weekend school teacher trainings. Uh, and we also have, of course, the Adams World Live. Right? Adams World, um, it has been an integral part 
of uh, of so many lives uh, debuting in 1990. Uh, this was uh, it's been something. Now we have live shows going on, and we have people that are coming to the shows that are bringing their children. But let let me let me just jump right into the point because I don't want to get myself cut off. This Saturday, October 27th, at uh, Ashton Place in Willowbrook, we have, uh, in this spirit of advocacy, in this spirit of being present and being engaged, we have Linda Sarsour, co-chair of the Women's March. Uh, you, you have seen her on, on different uh, uh, outlets, but most importantly, uh, front and center, when it, it is time to, uh, to be present, to be vocal, uh, and to not just speak on behalf of, <clears throat> excuse me, not just speaking on behalf of Muslims, but speaking on behalf of any marginalized community, right? Front and center. So she's she's one of our keynote speakers, and we're really pleased to have her and looking forward to to hearing what she has to say. Uh, and we also have Amr Kauji, who is a video uh, producer, um, host with AJ Plus, Al Jazeera Plus. This is an extremely important time. I can't stop, I can't uh, stress it enough, and we'll continue to say it. This is an extremely important time as far as transparency, the role of the media, uh, journalists are concerned right now. Uh, and we have him with us and we are looking forward, really appreciative to have him with us as well. Um, so we're inviting you to come out, go to Eventbrite, get your tickets, come out and join us. Um, you can go to soundvision.com, get your tickets there as well. And we are looking forward to seeing you. Uh, let's let's think about what we can do collectively uh, and, 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 and let's get to it. Simple as that. Okay. We thank you so much for uh, for listening, for tuning in. Um, we thank our engineers over at WCEV for making sure we come through loud and clear. I'm your host and producer, Tariq Alamini. Our executive producer is Abdul Malik Mujahid. We remind you that the views expressed by the host and our guests are theirs and not to be taken as a representation of Sound Vision Foundation. And with that, my good people, I leave you as I greeted you. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Thank you.